There are a good many ways that institutional investors are taking best advantage of this versatile market created by broad public participation. Welcome to the Decrypting Crypto Podcast. I'm Matthew House Barbie, and today we're talking to the brain behind Food Pharma Finance. And this platform is all focused around a hands-off approach to yield farming, uh, which is described as farming as a service. And no, we're not talking about carrots and potatoes here, everyone. We are talking about how to earn returns on your crypto assets in the 20 to 40% range year over year um, with a completely hands-off approach. So you can kind of think about this like a little mini hedge fund, but specifically for DeFi. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to unpack yield farming a little bit and the growth in the farming as a service space and Food Farmer, who goes under the uh, under a pseudonym, is the, the brain behind Food Farmer Finance, is going to share some of the things that they're interested in and what they think's going to be particularly exciting over the next 12 to 18 months. So we're going to jump straight into this interview right after this. If you're struggling to get your head around the complexity of decentralized finance, I have something just for you. Decrypting DeFi is an online course where I walk you through all of the important concepts within DeFi and share step-by-step -step tutorials on how to start generating income from your crypto assets. Whether you're interested in this from an investment point of view or just want to better understand how things like yield farming, liquidity mining, and staking works, the course will have something for you. Head over to mhb.xyz forward slash DeFi to learn more. Food Farmer, welcome to the Decrypting Crypto Podcast. Thanks so much for, for joining us. Why don't you get us started by telling us a little bit about your yourself and how you got involved in the crypto space and wider DeFi? Thank you so much for having me, first of all. Um, I got into crypto for gambling originally. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was a gambler um, and I was struggling to play online sites. In came crypto, which all of a sudden allowed me to do that. And you know, in 2020, I was selling some Bitcoin and uh, I, I got told by the person who was buying, have you heard of this thing called YFI? I said, no, I haven't. He explained that the token price was uh, higher than Bitcoin's price at the time, which blew my mind, frankly. I said, what, really? Took a look at it, ended up falling down the rabbit hole from there. Uh, ended up falling into the, uh, gaining a passion for yield farming, liquidity mining, and uh, trying to earn as much yield on my crypto as possible, which uh, before that, it was just holding these crypto assets. Mm. And uh, so you, you really kind of got bit by the DeFi bug, it sounds, through through the, the wonderful DeFi summer we had in, in 2020. Would that be right? Absolutely. I, I mean... I remember playing around a little bit on Uniswap and then September came around. I got the airdrop from Uniswap and that really mm -hmm. gripped me. You know, seeing I got $1,400 on 
every MetaMask wallet that I was using, and <laughs> that was just amazing, right? That was <laughs> that was like Christmas had come early, and uh, that's what I think really kind of kicked me and said, you know, this is something serious. They're dropping this sort of money to users that use their platform, and it was almost like getting paid to try something new out. Yeah, and uh, I, I think for anyone that's been through the past two years, it, it feels like airdrop bonanza has been kind of happening. And uh, I know we've we've got a few guests on the podcast, people like uh, Brantley from ENS coming up, and the the ENS airdrop was another pretty great one for a lot oh, of people. Oh yeah. Um, but before we dive in, because I I know I really want to talk about what it is that you're building over at Food Farmer Finance and farming as a service, but um, let's. Let's address the elephant in the room. Food farmer. What uh what was the what's the story behind <laughs> behind that? And um what what was it also that made you to take the decision to kind of remain anonymous or at least pseudonymous? Yeah. So I never wanted fame, right? And in crypto, it's quite nice that you can kind of uh keep that pseudonymity and keep yourself behind the scenes. Uh, you know, there, there's there's tons of anonymous users in the space who are highly respected, and I like that. I would hate to grow to a uh, to a point being an influencer, quote unquote, where people would recognize me in the street. I think that's a dangerous game to play. Um, I, I had two options, right? I would either not show my portfolio publicly and show my face, or I would be completely transparent with the funds that I'm playing around with and not show my face. Um, so I, I chose the kind of option to, to keep my personal life private, keep my face private, and then be very transparent with what sort of funds we're playing around with, where we're uh, depositing our assets, etc. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I, I think with DeFi and crypto kind of financializing every aspect of our lives now. It's no surprise to me that we see more and more people doing this, uh, mm -hmm. especially. And and I, I've been really enjoying following your Twitter and you share pretty much <laughs> everything you. step by step pretty openly. That's one of the reasons why I really wanted to get you on to, to chat a little bit here. So why, why don't we dig in a little bit? You, you talked about in 2020, you got bit by the bug and really yes. started diving into yield farming, liquidity mining. So... Before we go into this concept around farming as a service, for, for everyone listening here that maybe isn't as familiar with how things like yield farming works, do you think you could give a bit of a, a bit of a primer on that for everyone? Absolutely. So the, the, the first kind of steps which I took when it, when it comes down to yield farming was providing liquidity. So I think the first protocol that I actually uh, played around with was SushiSwap, hence the name Food Farmer, right? I was farming <laughs> sushi tokens, pancake tokens, yam tokens, a vast That's array delicious. of these. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting hungry just talking about it. <laughs> but, um, you know, yield farming, there's multiple ways to kind of uh, earn yield on your crypto. But essentially, the, the, the most popular one, I would say, is providing liquidity. So you might be able to, when you want to make a trade on a DEX like Uniswap or SushiSwap or uh, for some people that are more familiar with uh, Phantom, maybe SpookySwap, there needs to be liquidity for you to be able to make that trade. For example, there would need to be Ethereum, 
and FFF, let's say, just a little plug for my own token. <laughs> now, somebody has to provide that liquidity for other people to make that trade. Now, why would somebody provide that liquidity? Well, because the protocol itself might incentivize that via liquidity mining. So that is where I first got involved, really. I was providing liquidity for protocols such as SushiSwap. And in return, they were providing me tokens, rewards. And uh, that is like the, the fundamental of yield farming. From that, there has been other ways. There has been, you know, you can do borrowing and lending where you're earning yield. You can do single side staking to earn yield, locking up your tokens to earn yield. There's multiple avenues to go down. But the, you know, the, the bare bones of it really is providing liquidity and you earn because of that. Okay. So what do, what, what do you think has been one of the, um, you, you came in and for pretty much everyone in DeFi, I mean, we've been covering on the podcast, wider crypto since uh, early 2017. And I mean, DeFi was not a thing. It wasn't even really a, a, mm -hmm. a pipe dream at that point. And so this is very new to everyone. I, I know that you speak a lot to people that are entering the space new. What, what do you see as some of the things people get stuck on or, or confused with when, when they're getting started with things like yield farming or even like providing liquidity? Hmm. I think uh, a lot of people are kind of scared when they see the gas fees popping up. Uh, mm. And for that, it's kind of a, well, it's a double-edged sword. I was I would recommend that you try out, and if you're a beginner, try out yield farming on different chains. Then the question might come up, well, what are the different chains? How do I get on the different chains? And for that, you would need to learn about bridging to these other chains. So it is quite a complex minefield to navigate through, um, but it is 100% worth your time to take it, take the time to learn about these things. Um, I think with, with, with the rise of chains like Phantom and uh, Avalanche, you know, it makes yield farming more accessible for the average investor um, due, to it, due to it being faster and cheaper. You know, something which may cost you $500 to make the transactions on Ethereum might cost you $3 to do the exact same thing over on Phantom, for example. Um, so... I would say that gas fees are probably a quite a big barrier of entry to a lot of people. So where does so where does farming as a service come into this? And why don't you explain this this concept? It's something that I've had you talking about a lot, and you've you've now built uh, what seems like a whole platform around this. So I'll I'll give you the floor here to talk a little bit about where farming as a service comes into this. I appreciate the opportunity to share it with your audience. So farming as a service essentially is a, a treasury which um, when you hold the token you get access to the rewards that the treasury generates so on each purchase of the token and sale of the token there's a tax a percentage of that tax goes to the treasury the treasury is then managed by an experienced farmer it's not all managed by an experienced farmer single-handedly there is a a, a multi-sig wallet so there needs to be a couple of the co-founders to sign off on any single transaction but essentially it is, it is simplifying yield farming so you as an investor don't need to go through the loops go through the hoops you know bridging from chain to chain to find the best yield you simply hold a token and benefit from it 
while someone like myself is manually doing the farming and uh, you receive dividends from just simply holding the token. So this is almost like your uh, like a mini crypto hedge fund in, exactly in that. some ways, right? Exactly. And, and is this is, is would you say that uh, for the farming as a service, this is only for a certain type of investor, someone that's like going to be investing, say, six figure plus, or can it be everyone down to uh, kind of those that are putting in seven figure plus all the way through to like hundreds of bucks, thousands of bucks? Like where where does this sit and where would you say it's like best suited for people? I think it, uh, it's quite accepting of quite an array of people, actually. I think, so at the moment, we're purely on Ethereum, but within the next few days, we're launching over on Phantom, where it should become more accessible for people investing as little as $100, essentially. Mm. Um, but the, the goal really is to be accepting of every investor and make it worthwhile for every investor. Now, with, uh, with larger investors... They will obviously get a larger part, a larger piece of the pie when it comes to the dividend payouts. But you know that's that's I think that was understood by the majority of people. You know, the more tokens you hold, it, it works on a percentage basis, right? Um, but I, I think it is perfect for new investors to have it you know, as a part of their portfolio. I think it's uh, quite a nice place to park some capital if you have a larger six seven eight figure portfolio as you might you might have the capital but you might not necessarily have the time or knowledge to actually go through and chase these yields like we do so this is our job right this is our full-time job finding the best yield for your capital um so i i do believe that it could be fitting for anybody's portfolio you know, if you don't want to be hands-on. So it sounds like from from what I'm getting from this is, if I were to briefly summarize, um, I'm an investor and, you know, I'm, I'm interested in some of the yields that are out there in DeFi and f- yield farming, et cetera. But, you know, I either don't have the time to manage all of the um, transactions involved, staying up to date with the different uh, APRs available and shifting things around, bridging, et cetera. And this for me is an opportunity to say, okay, this is a very hands-off approach. I hand over my my cash, I lock it up, I forget it, I come back to it, and I'm going to get my like dividend payout, et cetera, um, without really having to either fully understand all of the individual like mechanics involved behind the scenes or having to continuously check in and harvest my like rewards and things like that manually exactly you've hit the nail on the head so you know uh, another part of that would be um i mentioned previously about gas fees being rather expensive so for the small term investor it's not worth it to make these transactions to claim these rewards but when you're putting your money in the fund it is worth it as we're doing it on your behalf. You know, we're doing it as a collective. So yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. It's a, it's an hands-off approach, essentially, um, that can, you know, that can really benefit people, I imagine. I think that it's it's simplifying yield farming, essentially. And and how how should someone coming in fresh to this kind of evaluate on one side what they can expect from potential returns? And then on the the other side of that, what the what the risks are involved for them. Yeah, absolutely. So 
Um, we do actually post daily updates on our Twitter of all treasury holdings. Uh, so our treasury is currently at around, I, th- I think, roughly 300 Ethereum. Um, mm. we've, we've only been live about three or four days right now. So our treasury is growing rather quickly. Um, and we are actually, I, I think we're number three in the largest treasuries in the farming as a service space, um, which is quite decent considering our, yes, re- it's our not bad, recent isn't it? launch. Um, but, you know, th- there is a few other projects in the space that are doing this, but uh, we're aiming to do it the best, right? Um, uh, but, yeah, in, in regards with risk, there there is obviously risk. Um, we're being very risk kind of averse. We're holding quite a decent percentage in stable coins and uh, tr- earning humble yields of between 30 and 40% on our stables, which is um, because of our uncertainty in the market right now um we you know we do not think that we're out of the woods just yet um Mm. especially at a global economic kind of view um so we're we're trying to really protect the capital but grow it uh, at a rate that uh, our investors will be happy with um you know we're not going to just sit in as something that's not producing any yield we're taking advantage of the of the price action as well um but you know there is obviously risk involved like as there is in any investment um but we are beating the market so far and um well, well we 30 to 30 to 40 percent on stable coins is is a pretty yes. great return yes it is and and to achieve that, we're doing things that people may not necessarily even think about doing. Most people know that you can deposit your stable coins somewhere and earn 8% or 10%. But a lot of people don't know that you can lock up an asset and boost your yield on them stable coins by up to 2.5 times sometimes. And uh, that's essentially what we are doing. We're farming stable coins, which some people might not even be aware of. You know, we're taking advantage of euro stable coins and um, other kind of sources of yield that um, are una- you know most people are unaware of. And when you talked about, I want to dig in a little bit on the the mechanics of the the dividends as well that are paid mm-hmm. out to people. So um, for anyone that's providing liquidity and farming themselves they're having to manually go in and probably every week or every month depending how much they're they're putting in harvest those rewards pay a transaction fee and then depending on what that's paid out in they would uh, convert it into crypto that they want like a stable coin or or keep that underlying token that they've been rewarded in yes. with with your farming as a service what are the dividend payouts kind of coming in the form of is that your native fff token or are you paying out in the Mm -hmm. stables that uh, are deposited and what's the frequency look like is that a set frequency or does it depend on the individual investor so at the moment we are focusing on the treasury growth okay um so we are we are aiming to kind of fast track the treasury up to a thousand ethereum that is our short-term goal within the next few weeks um after that we aim to pay out dividends once monthly in the native token of the chain so for example for investors on ethereum 
they will be getting a Ethereum dividend, which they can claim on a monthly basis, or let it, let it compound. Uh, Phantom um, holders, well, holders of FFF on Phantom, will essentially get the same uh, process, but it will be Phantom dividends that they will be receiving. Oh, nice. That's that's uh, that's pretty nice because I think one of the things people ch- chat like find difficult a lot of the time with yield farming is keeping control of all of the various different tokens oh, that absolutely. suffer a ton of fluctuation as well, mm-hmm. right? No, we we are moving like a mercenary fund almost. Um, mm. We we farm, we dump, and we pay out our holders. That's the goal here. Our our goal is not to accumulate uh, tokens which we you know receive when we when we earn rewards is to accumulate solid tokens which we can then redistribute and what is the function then i noticed that you have the fff the food farmer finance token what what's the 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 role the function of that is that is that like a governance token or is it something different there there is no governance with the token it is in, it is um almost a uh, a feature of the uh fund itself i mean that is how you buy the fund that is how you get your percentage of dividends returned to you so when you when you purchase the token that is uh, what funds the treasury so there is a tax implemented on every buy and sell so it uh two percent of the tax goes to providing liquidity so we have a constantly growing liquidity pool um which we have actually we, we locked um i forget how much exactly either three hundred or six hundred thousand dollars of liquidity for twelve months. Um, so but that that's constantly growing right now. Uh, the other tax, there is a two percent two percent which gets reflected to holders, um, which is kind of a, a stopgap between the first dividend, essentially. So, you know, you will get paid for just holding when other people buy and sell the token. And uh, then the majority of it is uh, funding the treasury right now, which will in time, fund the dividends. Okay, got it. That makes sense. And with farming as a service, I, I, I think for most people listening to the podcast, this, this is probably piquing their interest, especially if they're getting, I think a lot of people get really interested in particular around the stablecoin yield because it feels like some of the lower risk, well, certainly the, the lower risk, lower volatile assets in crypto, and then while slightly more believable yields that you often hear about with within uh, stablecoin farming, but they get hung up on, oh, I've got to like provide liquidity on like these yes. million platforms. They visit Spooky Swap and they're like, what did a 10 year old <laughs> make the designs of this thing? <laughs> and uh, they get scared off. So I think a lot of people really like it. What with, with, with farming as a service then, um, what uh how, how big is this space right now are there are there many other players in the space do you do you think there's going to be more entering this it's going to be a growing area absolutely so right now um i would estimate that the space um if you added up the market cap of all farming as a service protocols i would estimate it to be somewhere around 200 million dollar market cap of mm. all of the farming as a service products um so it's pretty small right now yeah. I estimate it to have a much greater amount of growth. Um, I mean, I, I, I've made multiple to- posts about uh, why I think it will go to $25 billion within the, next 20, within the next 12 months. Now, will it? Time will tell. But I think it's got a lot of growth to go. 
Are you seeing farming as a service um, being more popular on certain chains versus others? I know you mentioned Phantom, and I know Phantom at the moment is getting uh, a lot of coverage, especially with all the work mm-hmm. that Andre Cronje is doing. But it, 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 is there specific chains that you're seeing more growth than others, or is this uh, across a lot of different ones? So, yeah, most of the protocols, they're, they're split across all different chains. And I think that's kind of, in, that's an important aspect to it. I think that it, if we limited ourselves to just farming on Ethereum, I think that would be a sucker's game. So yeah. we, we've only been live for three or four days now, and we've already deployed funds across the Harmony chain, across Avalanche, across Phantom, um, across Ethereum, you know, so we're really trying to... Um, take advantage of as many chains as possible and i think that should be what a farming as a service product does um, because if it's just on one chain uh you know it it doesn't take that much to to, to learn about one chain but to to kind of stay on top of all the chains i think that's where the real skill is involved yeah and, and just a, a brief bit on the the team as well. How, how many people are, are working on uh, Food Farmer Finance right now, and what's the what's the incentive for for the team to be working on this? Is there a, a token payout from the treasury that's set, or how does that all work? Yes. So the team, the core team, have ten uh, percent of the total supply, which we locked for twelve months. Uh, so. From that, you know, when dividends start being paid out, we will, of course, receive dividends. They will be locked for the 12 months also. Um, but so we have a long term incentive. Um, but we also earned that that 2% reflections from the team tokens also on them, on them team tokens. Now, yes, yeah, so there's three core members of the team, myself and my two co-founders. Um, they both have VC kind of backgrounds. Um, one of them managing about half a billion dollar in funds um, and another one which has helped raise over 200 million dollar for startups um, so you know th- there's decent guys with good backgrounds um, and I am the farmer involved so I am the person who is uh, single-handedly managing the funds I do have a couple of farming as as farming associates which help me um, you know assess yield farms um and and things but yeah we've got a pretty solid team i must say great okay well this sounds really cool and people can find you um at foodfarmer.finance right yes that's the website foodfarmer.finance or foodfarmerfi on twitter Great. Well, one one last question, because I think this has been really interesting to go down. Um, I ask this to a lot of guests, and I wanted to just get your take on, as someone who is continuously spending time across a bunch of different chains and protocols and uh, is, is pretty much having to stay up to date with all the new platforms that are being released, what, what kind of innovations that are coming out of DeFi are you most excited about over the next, say, uh, let's say more short term, like 12 to 18 months. Okay, I would probably go with two things. Um, I think we're going to see, firstly, I will I will start by saying NFTs in DeFi. I think that's an exciting field that we're going to kind of go down as a, as a, as a crypto community. Um, I, I do think that there is a, definitely a use case for that to like verifiable ownership within DeFi. Um, kind of renting out your, your your governance tokens as yield 
via NFT uh, for yield via NFTs. I think that's a possibility. Um, and something that I am very excited for, a lot of people might disagree with me with this, but I am personally excited about uh, regulation in DeFi. I, I think regulation... A, a, a somewhat DeFi's... unpopular opinion for, for a large cohort of the libertarian groups uh, that, that might be listening. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm sure it is an unpopular opinion, but let me explain why. I think with regulation in DeFi, and it may be hard to kind of uh, to kind of manage that. I think when it when we do get more regulated, that is when we're going to see more institutions coming in, and it's going to kind of you know we're going to see these funds from uh, TradFi moving in big sums of money. I know tons of VCs and fund managers that would love to move money into crypto. But due to the regulations and due to the uncertainty and and lack of audits and lack of uh, kind of um, public team members and other things, you know, they're uncertain to do so. Um, So I think with with the potential forthcoming regulation, that could be quite bullish for uh, uh, DeFi in general. Yeah, and I think like I'm I'm also pro regulation, assuming that. it, it can be done smartly with the right people mm-hmm. uh, yes. actually like contributing towards the regulation. It's going gonna, it's gonna to also just help protect investors, stop new investors and seasoned ones getting wrecked all the yes. time. Yeah. Uh, there's just too many stories like that. So I, I, I think while it's largely in the wider crypto space and unpopular opinion, I think people can see why that would be valuable long-term. Yes. I, I, I mean, you know, every day there is either a scam or a hack going on, isn't there, where investors are losing tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, uh, just yesterday there was the wormhole exploit where, what was yeah. it, $300 million got exploited. Um, I think with regulation, like you said, with correct regulation, issued by people who know what they're talking about, who understand the space, uh, I mean, currently, most of the people uh, creating these laws and regulations are 70 plus years old who, uh, you know, still type like with their two big thumb, with their two big, big fingers. Um, so uh, I think it does need to be issued by the correct people. But I think if done correctly, it will be great for the space. Agreed. Well, listen, Food Farmer, thanks so much for taking out the time. Um, uh, if you want to go check out what Food Farmer's building over at foodfarmer.finance uh, or Food Farmify on Twitter, uh, make sure you go do that. And all the best with growing the treasury and, um, and what you're building. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and want to show your appreciation, why not subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a positive review. You want to catch up on all of the previous episodes? Why not visit decryptingcrypto.xyz, follow us on Twitter at decryptopodcast. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show or just want to leave us some personal feedback, email us at podcast at decryptingcrypto.xyz. The contents of the Decrypting Crypto podcast should not be used and are not intended as investment advice. Please do your own due diligence before making any investment, cryptocurrency or otherwise.